All right. Who believes that 2020 is a year of new things? It's very easy for us to say this at the beginning of every year. Yes, it's going to be, here is my year. Okay. And we've got New Year's resolutions and we've got all these things. But honestly, I really do believe that this is a year of new things. This is a year of a new season, of a new thing that God wants to do. Those who have ears to hear, let them hear this morning. Okay. So the Hebrew calendar speaks of 5-8. Is it 5-8-7-0? Where are we? 5 8 7 zero. Five seven eight zero by a donkey. Okay, so that Hebrew year it actually speaks of the year of the mouth, the year of declaration. It is the year, and Johannes spoke about it last week about Ezekiel thirty-seven, where it says we need to speak and prophesy to the dry bones, to the very dry bones, and all that that prophesy speaks to is declaration. We need to be declaring the word of God over our lives, over the promises of our lives. Amen. And so I really believe that that is the year for this is the next decade is actually for declaration. But we first need to understand what is God's promise over our lives. Amen. And so the word that I felt like the Lord wants to speak about today is this whole idea of his timing when it comes to his promises. And you'll see how that connects now. But have you ever read the Bible and you've seen the words at the appointed time or in the fullness of time? For some reason in the last three weeks, whenever I read, whenever I sit down, I normally, the best way that I hear the Lord's voice is through the word. So I spend time reading the word, soaking in the word, trying to understand, Lord, what does this mean? And these words just keep, you know, when something just stands out to you. Okay, I, I later realized someone said to me, you know, the Holy Spirit illuminates Scripture. That's what happens. And th- I can't get rid of this phrase in my head, at the appointed time. At the appointed time. And I said, Lord, what does this mean? What do you want to talk to us about? And I felt like God was saying, you know, as Johannes spoke last week about God's promises, there's a certain time for the promises of God in our lives to become known, to manifest, to happen, to take place. There's an appointed time for everything. And I want us to have a look at this scripture, Ecclesiastes 3 verse 1. Oh, there it is, the appointed time. (laughs) Okay, we all know this scripture, but listen to this. There is a season, a time appointed, everyone say a time appointed, for everything, and a time for every delight and event or purpose under heaven. I'm not going to go through the whole scripture, but you can go and read Ecclesiastes 3 for yourself this afternoon or this week and just see what God is speaking about. There's a time for everything. Now, what do we know about time? First of all, we know that the Bible speaks of God is the creator of time. I mean, and who knows that God lives outside of time. God does not live by our time. There's some people that say yes and amen with some strong conviction. Okay, God created creation. If we look in Genesis, the first six days, God created. There were very specific things that fell into place every day. And the seventh day, he rested. God also put seasons into place. Okay, when we think of time, we think of seasons. The scripture also speaks of there's a season for everything. Seasons speak of time. Okay, God set the moon and he set the sun to rise and set at certain times. Okay, so we know that God is the creator of time. And the Bible actually uses two Greek words to describe time. 
The first one is chronos. So we know that that's where we get the word chronologically from. Uh, chronos time is hours, minutes, seconds, the way that we measure time. Okay? So we understand that chronos is time that you can measure, the time that, you know, we spend on our calendars, we spend the way that we plan, that's chronos time. But kairos time is something very different. And kairos time is the thing that I want to zone in on this morning. Kairos time is a set time, a purposed time. It also speaks of a due time, a definite time, the opportune time, a divine moment for God to act. The right time or ripeness, God's appointed time, times where remarkable things happen, divine God-ordained moments, and the proper time for action. Who knows that there is a time in your life, and there's multiple, I believe, Kairos seasons in our lives where God comes and he opens up doors that no man can shut. There's a time where God comes and he says, now is the time. But how do we know when that is? That's almost a frog, right? It's all great to know about Kairos time, but when is my Kairos time? When is it my season? Has anyone ever asked the Lord, Vanir is my season? <laughs> Who knows? We go through long seasons of waiting sometimes. And I know this word is relevant for many of us. Some of you are in your waiting season right now. So this word is going to rain on the soil of your heart. So we know there is a time appointed for everything. Why is it important to understand the concept of Kairos time? I believe it's important, firstly, because God created time for a purpose. Amen? And who knows that we have been created for a purpose? There is a kingdom assignment on your life. Okay, this was, for me, this was one of the biggest things when I gave my heart to the Lord was, this was my question. I was not content in any way because I did not understand what, why was I here. I remember growing up not even understanding. You know, I grew up in a Christian home, but no one ever spoke to me about my God-given purpose. I knew there was a God, but the idea of purpose was very far removed from that. I had no idea that, okay, I had a purpose. There was a kingdom assignment on my life. But I remember growing up thinking, why am I here? Isn't it amazing how, you know, the Bible says eternity is planted in the hearts of all men. And you cannot know the Lord, but you can have questions like, what is my purpose? And I remember, you know, just really struggling with this concept and, and this idea of why am I here? And from a young age, I just didn't see myself living a normal life. I had no idea what I was called to do, but I, you know, the idea of just having a white picket fence, you know, at this age I get married, at this age I, you know, graduate, at this age I have a baby, at this age I you know, retire, then I get my golden watch. And like, to me, that was just very boring. And so it was probably because God planted something in my heart, obviously, before the creation of time, like he does with all of us. But so number one, I believe God created all of us for a purpose. And there's a kingdom assignment on your life. And with that comes set appointed times for that assignment. There's a set and appointment time for you to step into the destiny and the calling that God's got on your life. Uh, Acts 13, 36 says that when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he passed away. I don't actually have that scripture on the board. When he served God's purpose in his own generation, in our generation, you and I have got a purpose. 
And we better find out from the Lord what that is so we can face him when eternity comes and know that we have completed that assignment. Amen. So why do I believe it's important to understand Kairos seasons? Because we have that assignment. We have that purpose. And we need to understand what is the right time to move into that. Amen. So I'm just setting some foundation. We are going somewhere. Okay. So it was very important to Jesus when he was on earth. You know, who knows that Jesus' ministry on earth lasted three years. But he prepared and waited for 30 years to step into that time, that Kairos moment, where he was to reveal himself as the Messiah, the long-awaited promise that people have been waiting for and waiting for. Prophets have prophesied how many times. But when Jesus came, how many people recognized that Kairos moment? How many people knew and understood, if you read the Bible and you look closely to what Jesus taught, how many people knew and were able to discern this is the time? We all wait for the promise, but then when the promise, the Kairos moment for the promise comes, are we in a place to discern? And discern just means understand it's now. Understand the time is now to act. Amen. Let's have a read at Matthew 16, verse 1 to 3. And the notes are on you version for those who are new. If you use the Bible app you version on your phone, you can... Uh, where is it? Under events, you can search Living Wood Vintuk and all the notes and the scriptures are in there because it's important to, to take notes, I mean. All right. So it says, Now the Pharisees and Sadducees came up and testing Jesus to get something to use against him, they asked him to show them a sign from heaven which would support his divine authority. So let me just set some context. What is happening in this scene? The Pharisees and the Sadducees were the religious leaders of the day. And what the Bible says is that they were constantly looking for a way to test Jesus to see if he was really who he said he was. Okay. So now they said to him, show us a sign from heaven to prove that you have authority. And verse 2, but he replied to them, when it is evening, you say it will be fair weather for the sky is red. And verse 3. And in the morning, it'll be stormy today, for the sky is red and has a threatening look. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. Sorry, I'm not standing in front of you. You cannot interpret the signs of the times. He was rebuking them because they weren't able to see that the Kairos moment for the Messiah to arrive, the King of Heaven, this kingdom that is now at hand that they were waiting for, this was it. But they weren't able to discern. They weren't able to see. I believe their hearts were hardened. They were blinded by a spirit of religion. And the same is, is happening in many of our lives today. Sometimes we are blinded to see what is happening in the spiritual realm. We are blinded to see when God says, now go. We need to understand the signs of the times. It was the time for the fulfillment of the kingdom in the person of Jesus. And they were not able to recognize the Messiah standing right in front of them. There's a scripture in Luke 19.44. It's on you version, but I haven't included it on the screen. Where it's Palm Sunday. Jesus is coming on the donkey. Everyone is singing, Hosanna, Hosanna. And he's coming in, humble king on a donkey. And the Bible says in, Luke, in verse 44, 46 in Luke 19, it actually says, When Jesus drew near 
towards Jerusalem, he started weeping. He's coming towards Jerusalem and he's weeping. Why? Because they didn't understand the time of his visitation. The Bible actually says, because they didn't know the time of their visitation. And it broke his heart. Because there was a Kairos moment. There was a specific moment in time that he was there to bring the kingdom. It was a time to act. It was a time for things to happen. It was a time for promises that came into fulfillment. Okay. The Jews were undiscerning. They had eyes, but they couldn't see. They had ears, but they couldn't hear. They had hearts that couldn't understand, and they failed to recognize and embrace the time, the appointed time for the Messiah to be there. Amen. Why is it important for us to discern God's timing in our own lives? Ons was nou nie daar in die seisoen but we are here in this season. And the Bible actually says that God has set appointed times for our lives, where we will live, what we will do. But we need to hear from the Lord. We need to live for Him. We need to come into a place where we can discern and understand. Why? So we don't miss out on God's perfect will and timing for our lives. And here's the reality. I also want to say this. Don't think that God cannot get you back on track. He's a good God. I'm sure I've missed many moments before I gave my heart to the Lord. So I want, I want even in this message, I want us to know this. Know that it is never too late. Today may be a point of time for some people in this room. Number two, we don't miss out. So we don't miss out on God's moving or God hand, God's hand moving on our behalf. His supernatural power, those divine connections. Have you ever been on an airplane or you're in a shopping mall or you're in some place and somehow you have this connection with someone that you just think, oh, this not a coincidence. Many times that's a divine appointment. A divine appointment from the Lord for a set time for you to come into alignment with someone, something for your purpose, for where God wants to take you. I believe it's important for us to discern so we can be released into our destiny and our full purpose. Amen. So that we can be protected by his blessing and favor. And so we can see doors open supernaturally that we can by no means in our own strength open for ourselves. And I learned a very valuable lesson about two years ago on this very thing of discerning God's timing for an opportunity. You know, sometimes we can get opportunities, but it doesn't mean it's the right opportunity at the right time for you. And I was working for a ministry at the time about two years ago, um, and I had this incredible opportunity to go to another ministry in Mozambique that I literally have been dreaming about, praying about for an open door, trusting the Lord for finances. To me, it just seemed impossible to ever get there. This was a ministry that I really, really, really had a big desire to go and learn from, to spend some time in. Um, but who knows, it's not, it's not cheap to travel to Mozambique, to the northern part, um, from Cape Town. And suddenly there was an opportunity, a door opened. And I started praying, and to me, this was just a dream come true. So it's almost like, you know, sometimes when God opens up a door, and you're like, I don't even need to pray about this. I have prayed about this for five years. And we just want to jump sometimes through an open door. And I said, Johannes, I can't understand this, but something inside of me is just not right. It doesn't feel right. It's, something is just niggling on the inside. I don't have peace. And I can't understand it because I know with all of me, this will probably never happen again. 
The CEO of this ministry is a, is a world-renowned evangelist. I'm like, I just want to sit under her teaching. There was an opportunity for me to have lunch with her. I mean, this is never going to happen again. And I just felt the Holy Spirit say, now is not the time. Yes, and I was you can't do this to me. And I said, Johannes, please just pray with me. I think I'm missing it. Maybe there's something else. Uh, maybe it's just fear of the unknown or something. You know how we tend to reason when we don't feel peace, when we know the Holy Spirit is saying, not this time, not now. But sometimes we are so desperate, we will even ignore the promptings of the Holy Spirit to do something that we really want to do. And so Johannes and I um, prayed, and we both felt, yes, Nia, something is not right. And so we went to JC. We said to JC, okay, come on, multitude of counselors, pray with us. And we have this thing in Living Word um, in Cape Town where we used to speak about a green light or a red light. And so we prayed, and, and even JC said, no, 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 no. I also sense a big red light. And to like, Nia. I so hoped he would say something different to just confirm maybe I'm losing the plot. And so I went to my boss and I said to him, look, I'm so sorry. I don't know how to tell you this, but I don't have peace about going at this time. Um, and I thought they would actually say to me, well, this is the job. The job requires traveling and all that. And I said to him, I can't tell you why, but I just don't have any peace. And he was so gracious. And he said, I trust. I know you hear the Lord's voice. He said to me, I'm like, really? And he said, Let's do it another time. And so he spoke to his boss in America, and they prayed, and they said, why don't we do it four months later? And so we kind of forgot about it, and then when the new year started, we, um, we started planning, and then I felt peace. And then I said, okay, great. But the problem was the person I really wanted to see in the ministry wasn't there at that time. But God did something incredibly different. Um, and so it still was a blessed time. I still got to go, and it was just a dream come true. It was still you know, wonderful. But what we realized is a few months later, I actually heard from the missionaries who work in this, um, at this base, at this ministry, that during that time that I was going to go, there were a lot of terrorist attacks on the exact route that I would have traveled. And I said to Johannes, can you believe that was a prompting from the Holy Spirit, protecting me and telling me, no, it's not the right time. This is why it's important for us to discern, to discern, to know when is the right time. Some examples from the Bible. Last week, Johannes spoke about Abraham and Sarah, okay, and the promise that God gave to them. He made a covenant with them, and he said, Abraham, I will make your nation great. I will make a nation out of your seed. I will give you a promised son. And in the old age, they were still waiting, as Johannes said, alles was it. Okay, there was nothing. How was this even naturally going to happen? And so look at what it says in Genesis 18. Genesis 18, verse 14. This is the Lord speaking to Abraham. Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, everyone say appointed time. I will return to you about this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. And then the Bible said they laughed and, you know, all these things. But God said at the appointed time, I will make it happen. There's a scripture in Isaiah 60 that says, when the time is right, I, the Lord, will make it happen. And as humans, okay, we get tired of waiting. So Sarah's like, yeah, can you see? Like, this, this is not happening, okay. In her 80s, how is she going to bear a child? He saw, fat my, fat my um, slave, Froki, and have a baby. And so Abraham slept with the, with the slave lady, and so they had Ishmael. And so they took God's promise into their own hands, and prematurely they tried to birth the promise of God through their own natural effort. 
And what was the result of that? It caused division in their home. God still blessed Ishmael because he still made a covenant with Abraham. God was still faithful. You know, God can work with our mistakes. I think that's a big lesson we can learn. He can work with our mistakes. But it's never a good idea to try and birth the promise of God in your own natural strength. Amen. And so look what it says in verse, just after Genesis 21 verse 2. And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time of which God had spoken to him. So the promise still came into fulfillment. But the lesson there was that they took it into their own hands and they caused a whole lot of mess for themselves. But then we do it. We just do it in different ways. We just action it in different ways. I've been in a place where, you know, those waiting seasons where you go, okay, Lord, I have a better idea for an appointed time. In my mind, the appointed time is right now. We always want to rush the Lord when it comes to certain things in our lives. And what I've just learned, and I'm continuing to learn this, is that it's never a good idea to try and rush the Lord. It's never a good idea. Because God is outside of time, and this is something that we constantly need reminding of. He's outside of time. God can see in your tomorrow. God can see into the next decade. God knows where we are going. And so really, this comes down to a lesson of trust. We need to learn how to trust the Lord, and that's a journey. Like, I'm still in this journey. You know, Abraham waited. How long did he wait before that promise came into fulfillment? Can you remember your sermon of last week? <laughs> 25 years. He waited. Okay, some of us don't want to hear that this morning. 25 years. David waited 20 years to become king after he was anointed. 20 years. We don't have time to go into that story, but that's a good one. Moses waited 40 years before he stepped into his destiny to lead the Israelites out of slavery. Joseph waited 13 years in the prison from the pit to the palace. 13 years. Nia, I'm not someone who likes to wait. Okay. And, you know, for Johannes and I, I, I can't remember when I've shared this, but I may share stories and you probably have heard it. So just act like you haven't heard it before. But when <laughs> Johannes is like, okay, oh I hear this every day. I preach to him every day. He loves it. <laughs> I say, I got the long awesome. But so when Johannes and I started feeling like, okay, we started sensing, we've been married for three years, hallelujah, this May, and so waited a long time for that, okay, got married in my late 30s, well, can you hear me? Um, so uh, anyway, that's another story, but let me stay to the point, what is my point? Johannes and I, we started sensing that God is wanting to uproot us, we lived in Cape Town, Johannes was born in Ventuk, well no, Stambrit, he was born in Namibia. Sorry, <laughs> just to be factual. Um, but so, um, yeah, I was from South Africa, and so we felt that God wanted to uproot us and bring us to Namibia. We didn't quite know the exact way. We didn't really realize that it was a church plan. We knew it was full-time ministry. I've had that on my heart for many, many years. And so we knew that God wanted to bring us back, but it, we didn't quite know how or what. 
And so then we started praying. We started hearing more from the Lord. We were journaling. We had a lot of prophetic words. Um, we, we came from a church with a big prophetic culture, and so we were very blessed by that. I think that's a real, real big help. We are trusting the Lord for, a, for an incredible prophetic culture in this church as well. We know that God's going to send us many people. Some of you in this room are prophets, so, you know, maybe it's your appointed time. And so we were really trusting the Lord to explain to us the timing, because we knew that it was very important that we move in His time and in His time only. But both of us are quite action-orientated people. And so, you know, if we receive a promise, is the Afrikaans saying, you're not necessarily going to wait forever to make it happen. So we were getting excited about it, um, and we were starting to make plans, but nothing really worked out. You know that, that place where you get where Okay, you've got a promise, you've got a word, you've got a prophetic word or 10 attached to it that confirms it. Everything shows, yes, go, but it's like in the spiritual, something is stopping you. And I remember we were at a conference one, one week, it was about a year before, a year and a half before we actually moved, and we felt the time was now. Now, the, the important thing for us to consider was that, you know, you don't just move countries. Those of you who've moved from South Africa to Namibia, you know, this is need van oppak and gani. Okay, we're talking cell phone contracts, we're talking retirement savings, we're talking, you know, immigration, all that stuff, um, bank accounts, all There's There's a massive story. So, so we needed to know because, especially for me, I'm very detailed, I'm very planned, I'm organized. I don't work without a plan. Even just a trip to Czechos, there's a plan. Okay, there's a strategy. I have a strategy, that's why I go alone. Because I'm very... <laughs> Determined, use my direction. I'm going in that direction. And so we needed to know from the Lord, when, Lord, when? And we thought it was the time. And one of the prophetic leaders, he, you know, he knew us, but he didn't really know exactly about Namibia. He didn't really know the detail of the extent of what we thought God had called us to do. And he grabbed Johannes after one service and he said to him, the Lord showed me a picture of you sitting on a chair and you are, no, you were standing and you were running and it was like a horse, a wild horse just running into our direction. And he said, it's like the Lord is pulling you back. Whoa, Bergi, whoa. And he said to us, the Lord says, it's not time yet. It's not time yet. And then he explained to us a little bit of how God's timing works. And he said to us, there are still people that need to come into place for where you are going. He didn't even know about Namibia. That's why we were actually, okay. He said to us, there are resources, building, land that needs to come into place for where you are going. There are all sorts of things that God is orchestrating in the background that you have no clue about that will not be ready when you arrive. And it will be much harder. It will be much more effort if you go outside of God's timing. He actually said to us, when you move outside of God's timing, it will go okay with you. But when you move in his exact timing, that Kairos moment, it will go well with you. It will be blessed with you. And so we were like, okay, God, we hear the message. And so we, we kept praying. And, you know, eventually a year later, we got to a place where we felt like a lot of those things that we heard from the Lord fell into place. But it was still a massive step of faith. You know, it's still not an audible voice. I don't know. Who's ever heard the audible voice of God? Okay. Come on. Some people have actually heard the audible voice of God. The Tessua. 
But for us, it was a massive step of faith still, even with all the prophetic words, with all the journaling. So we really trusted the Lord, and it's been good so far. But I want to say this as well, actually. This is not even in my notes, so maybe it's for someone here. Even if you're in the perfect will of God and you move inside of God's timing, don't think that you will not encounter resistance. And what sometimes happens is that when we move and we think we are in God's perfect timing, we encounter a little bit of resistance and we think, oh, no, this is not God. We had a lot of people telling us that we actually think you, you did it in the wrong timing. We had some people that said that to us. And if we look at it now, we know we, were, we, we heard right. We had to take a step of faith. But sometimes remember that the enemy will not want you to step into your destiny. He will do everything, first of all, to try and distract you so you don't think you have purpose. Then he will try and distract you to think that you're not worthy. You don't have identity. Then he will try and distract you to think that, yeah, that's not God's plan for you. That's not where he wants you to go. Then he will confuse you with timing. No, that's not God's timing. So this is why it's important for us to get to a place where we can discern in the spirit what God wants to do. When is it that Kairos moment? And just because you have resistance does not mean God is not in it. Sometimes, you know, when the Israelites entered the promised land, who knows, they were giants. They still had to fight battles. You know, Johannes and I couldn't find a building for six months. And people said, Maybe it's time to push even harder. Maybe it's time to prophesy over that promise again. Maybe it's time to push harder. The Bible says, Okay, sometimes you need to have grit to move through the next thing. But which one is it? Do I wait or do I have grit and push my way through? It comes down to discerning the times and the seasons. Amen. You must just keep me to time. I'm just going to get lost in the appointed time. All right, but when we look at Jesus, Jesus to me is obviously he's our perfect example, amen? But Jesus moved in the appointed time in everything he did. The Bible actually says in Galatians 4 verse 4, in God's plan, the proper time had fully come and he sent his son born of a woman. So Jesus was born at the appointed time in history, there's a whole other sermon we can do on why that specific time. You can go and understand the history, the context. Why was Jesus born in that time? We don't have time to go into it. But Jesus considered the appointed time for everything he did. If you go read through the four Gospels, how many times did Jesus say to his disciples or his family, it's not my time. It's not my time. When his mother said to him, turn the water into wine, he said, woman, it's not my time. Okay, there's some thoughts there, but we can't go into it. Let's have a look at John 7, verse 1 to 8. John 7, verse 1, it says, After this, Jesus traveled around Galilee, and he wanted to stay out of Judea, where the Jewish leaders were plotting his death. Verse 2. But soon it was time for the Jewish festival of shelters. Verse 3. And Jesus' brother said to him, leave here and go to Judea, where your followers can see your miracles. This is his own brothers, ne? telling him, go to Judea, where he's already discerning, hey, I should not go there. Because he knew that they were planning his death prematurely. Jesus had an appointed time for the cross. God gave him an appointed time for the cross. So he knew, this is not my time to travel. And his own brother said to him, 
why don't you go to the festival? There you can show all your miracles. Okay? Verse 4, they said to him, you can't become famous if you hide like this. His own brothers. If you can do such wonderful things, show yourself to the world. And in verse 5, for even his brothers didn't believe in him. And Jesus replied, now is not the right time for me to go, but you can go anytime. Verse 7, the world can hate you, but it does, the world can't hate you, but it does hate me because I accuse it of doing evil. You go on, I am not going to this festival because my time has not yet come. Okay, I feel like I can do a 50-minute sermon just on this scripture alone. There will be times in our lives where your own family, those closest to you, will not recognize the call of God on your life. Or they will recognize the call, but they will try and push you into something prematurely. They will, like Sarah, try and get you to a place to birth something out of your own natural strength outside of God's timing. And Jesus knew this. Jesus had such discernment. He knew the Bible says he did only what he saw his father do. Man, I'm trusting the Lord God. Can I get to a place where I can only do what I see you do? Where I can hear his voice so clearly that I only do what he tells me to do. That's my heart's cry. Like I want to get to a place of obedience like that. Like Jesus lived. His brother said to him, you can't become famous if you hide like this. Okay, let's just talk about hiding. Do we think Jesus was hiding because he was insecure? Because he had fear of man? Because, oh, what if, what if I try and prophesy and no words come out? What if I pray for healing and someone doesn't get healed? Jesus did not operate like that. Jesus, the Bible actually says, like from he was 12 years old until his ministry when he was 30, for 18 years, the Bible doesn't speak about Jesus' years growing up. Why? Jesus was in a hiding season. What is a hiding season? Some of us are in a hiding season right now. Where no one sees your gift. No one recognizes the call of God on your life, maybe. No one is maybe honoring you or talking to you or giving you an opportunity for what you know that God has called you to do. Why? The Bible actually says that Jesus grew in wisdom, he grew in stature, and he grew in favor with God and man. God started speaking to me about this because I felt like I was in a hiding season for a long time. I, didn't, I did not chase a platform. I, in fact, I was too scared to talk in front of people, but I knew that there was a ministry call in my life. And so I trusted the Lord for a ministry door to open. Many, many, many times disappointed because the door that I thought was going to open did not open in the time that I wanted it to open. And the Lord started speaking to me at one point about a hiding season. Elijah at the brook was hidden for a reason. David was hidden for a reason. Moses was hidden for a reason. There's a time in our lives where God needs to prepare us for the promise. We can't think that we can just step out into this place of promise without being prepared. He's hiding you to develop character in you. He's hiding you to develop perseverance and endurance. Because for where you are going, you are going to need it. 
And the Lord loves us so much that He will not send you prematurely into a place that you can't handle. Yes, He will stretch you. Johannes and I are being stretched more than we've ever been stretched in our faith, in our, you know, gifts, in what we do every single day, in, in you know, moving countries and planting a church. Everyone said to us, oh, nog a kerk in windhoek. Ja, if you have a problem with that. I don't know. I didn't send me here. Okay. And so sometimes you are being hidden for a purpose. A baby is hidden in the womb for nine months. Okay. We know what a premature baby looks like. We know how hard that is for, for premature babies to grow into a place of fullness for when they were supposed to be born. And it's the same in the spirit. We need to wait for God's timing, okay? It's always a good idea. And we need to live with discernment. And, you know, here's the other thing. Um, people will try and push you to do things that are outside of God's timing. And so you even need to learn how to discern. Like now, for us, we're stepping into this place. We know that God has called us here. There's much more that God's still going to do. But in this season, we've had a lot of people tell us, well, why didn't you start this ministry? Well, what about this? Well, what about that? Well, why didn't you join this mission? Why didn't you go on this? And, and we feel like we constantly have to tell people, no, God told us very clearly, build foundations. We will get to that ministry. We will get to cell groups. We will get to this. We will get to that. There is a time for foundations. There is a time to, to make sure that you, like when you build a house, you just... You don't just build the roof. I don't know much about building, but I know there needs to be a foundation. Okay? Those in construction here can, can tell us more about that. We need to follow God's timing. We need to know what God is saying in every season. We thought we had to really hear from the Lord to move countries and to plant this church. Now we need, really need to hear from the Lord what is happening next week. Okay? So we need to live with discernment. Jesus died at the appointed time. Romans 5 verse 6 says that while we were still helpless, powerless to provide for our own salvation, at the right time, Christ died as a substitute for the ungodly. He lived his whole life, and we don't have time to go into all the examples, but he lived in the appointed time for everything because he knew when it was time to go. He could see in the spirit, okay, that's not going to be a good idea. But how did he know this? Because he spent time daily with the Father. There's really, that's the bottom line. I can't give you 10 points of how to live in God's appointed time. I've tried, I've got five. But the bottom line is really this, is it's intimacy with the Father. We can't rely on a prophet of the Lord to tell us everything. We need to hear from the Lord first. God will speak to you about your appointed time. Don't let anyone ever tell you God says there you go, and you haven't heard from the Lord. A prophetic word can confirm, and the Bible also says, actually, we need to test every word. Okay, Johannes and I tested a lot of words, and we, we sat with the Lord. We prayed. I remember one day we went to a biblical garden in Paul <laughs> because we thought that sounds like a holy place. That sounds like an anointed place to hear the voice of the Lord. So we sat there. We had two Cokes and a Bible and a notebook. It was a hard day in battle. And we prayed, and God started speaking to us about Abraham again, actually. 
go to the land that I will show you. And Johannes probably asked me 20 times, are you sure? Because he knew I loved the beach. I loved the mountain. But I knew. I knew. Every time we came to visit, even before we had an actual word for a church plan, every time he brought me to meet the parents, meet my brother-in-law, meet the family, I sensed. I just knew. It's like your spirit testifies. You just know. You just know. And the more time we spend with the Lord, the more He reveals, the more He unpacks, the more He shows you. But I can't give you any other points as go and spend time with the Lord. Amen. So what do we do with this message? You're like, okay, great. Well, how does that help me? Number one, we need a vision for our life. Okay, we can't talk about the appointed time of God if we don't know what is the vision that God's got over our life. What is my kingdom assignment? And you know, sometimes that, that is a journey to get to that place of knowing. Not all of us have a Chris Valentin experience where he was in the bathtub and Jesus showed up through the wall and said to him, I've called you to be a prophet to the nations. Okay, you know. I wish I had that. For me, it took years of journeying with the Lord, years of confirmation of my spirit testifying when I'm in a church service and someone is bringing the word of God. And for some reason, I'm thinking, I wish that is me. Even though I was so scared of it, I knew, man, God called me for the ministry. Let's look at this scripture, Habakkuk 2, verse 2 to 3. Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and engrave it plainly on clay tablets, so that the one who reads it will run. Verse 3. For the vision is yet for the appointed future time. It hurries toward the goal of fulfillment. It will not fail. And even though it delays, this is a word for someone. Is everyone listening? Even though it delays, wait patiently for it because it will certainly come and it will not delay the bible says in proverbs 29 that without vision my people perish we need a vision from the lord for our lives and you know for me if i just take my journey and i'm just sharing from my perspective all of our journeys look different some of us have had amazing encounters man you've had an angel visit you like mary and said favored are you and God showed you, and you've had dreams, and you've had vision. But for other people, like myself, I didn't have dreams and visions. I didn't have angelic encounters that I knew of, that I could perceive. For me, it was just a journey of showing up every day, of journaling every day, and figuring out, okay, I have this scripture. It speaks about a priestly role, to me, that represented ministry. And I started, I gave my heart to the Lord 12 years ago, um, and I think it was within two months they had a Bible college. So I was like, yes. They said, if you want to grow, you need to come to Bible college. I was there with a Bible, brand new English Bible, never read an English Bible before, notebook. I was in the back because I was too scared they would make someone say something, you know. That constant fear of speaking, isn't it hilarious? And so, and so the, the guy leading the – he was one of the – probably one of the um, – senior pastors in the church, and he said, there's people in this room, and God has called you for leadership in ministry. Can you come to the front? I want to lay hands on you and pray for you for impartation. I didn't even know what impartation was. And I thought, I don't know why, but I need to go to the front. You know, sometimes God will call out something like that, and you don't know, but your spirit knows. 
I didn't even know what was my spirit, what was me, what was the Lord, what was the enemy. But I knew that I had to go. And so I went to the front. And from that moment, something was stirred in my heart. And I knew God has called me for full-time ministry. And so for, that was 12 years ago. And we've just stepped into this role. And I know that there's still more that God wants to do. But throughout those 12 years, I started serving. I think my first role was um, praying for new Christians. Well, no, before that, I did data entry. So these little cards. So you would take all the cards from a Sunday, and you would just go sit, and you would do data entry. And someone else would call people, pray for people, get them slotted into home cell groups, you know, that type of thing. That was my first role. Then I moved into praying for new Christians. We would hand out Bibles for people in the service and that was a huge step of faith for me. Okay, now I have to pray for people in English. Okay, that was massive. Really praying about it, you know, working myself every week, just if I have to pray for someone. And this is just one-on-one, but it freaked me out. Okay, so then my next role was serving on the events team. Our role was to make sure the bathrooms are clean, the toilets are clean. There was toilet paper for everyone attending the service. The bins were clean, picking up after people, picking up whatever rond geleerd. That was my role for another three years, served on there. And I just, I served everywhere I could, trusting the Lord that he will open a door in ministry. Okay, I had no idea what or how. I mean, I thought at one stage I applied for the PA role for the pastor because I thought I'm very organized. And so I can easily answer the phones, make appointments. To me, I would have been, that would have been the promised land. Um, Okay, thank you. (laughs) Johannes is nodding. Um, So I thought like, okay, maybe, and that didn't work out. I waited for six months for a response, and then I thought, okay, maybe maybe I'm not called for full-time ministry. That door just never opened, and I had a very good relationship with the pastor, so I was very confused. That door didn't open, and then eventually some of my leaders on the New Christians team said to me, there's a new campus that we are going to be planting an hour away from where I lived. I lived straight across the road from the church that I was currently serving at on Sundays. I worked in the corporate world, so this was part-time on weekends. And they said to me, do you want to go and lead a team in Somerset West? And I thought, okay, first of all, it's an hour away on a Sunday. That means call time is 6 o'clock or 7 o'clock. That means I need to be there at 6 or I need to leave home at 6, something like that. On a Sunday, when you work full-time, the eyes pick it off. Okay. And the car that I had at the time was secondhand. It would lit- literally die whenever it was over 30 degrees outside. There was a Ford Fiat secondhand car, and it would die. So there's no way that I could... And I didn't know how to start the car by myself. I needed someone to jumpstart me. You know, I couldn't afford a new car. And so I just thought... And there was no one else from this campus traveling to that one. Everyone serving at that campus lived there. In that, if you know Cape Town, from Century City to Somerset West, there's a fair ink you'll be into here. And so I was like, no, I don't think this is going to work. And all of, all of my inside was like, this is it. I need to step into this position. And so for three years, I prayed myself to the Somerset West campus every single Sunday. We prayed. Sometimes the car would, you know, stop without petrol. And we prayed. And we could still drive. 40 kilometers. Miracles happened. Eventually, the Lord also blessed me, and I was able to afford a new car. I got a promotion. Thank you, Jesus. But I had to step out, and that was a Kairos moment for me to step out into a small little leadership role on the other side of Cape Town because God was doing something, and I believe it was a season of testing as well. 
Because the Lord wanted to see, are you really serious? Would you do anything to serve me? Would you do anything for this promise that you are believing for? And number two, I believe we need to live fully present in the waiting. When we look at natural seasons, when it's springtime, it requires a response. Every season requires a response. When it's springtime, everything comes up, we plant. Okay? We sow. Because it's a good time to sow. When it's summer, it's harvest time. It's a good time to gather the harvest. When it is winter, everything dies. It's a time to rest. And I think there's so many lessons in the spiritual that we can learn from natural seasons. Galatians 6 verse 9 It says, let us not grow weary or become discouraged in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap if we do not give in. Some of us this morning need to hear that you are in a waiting season or you are in a sowing season where you are working, 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 sowing, 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 and you ain't seeing no harvest yet. For the harvest is also at the appointed time. So some of us this morning just needs to hear that you need to keep on sowing. Don't grow weary. Don't get tired in the waiting. Don't get tired in the waiting because at due time, God's due time, not our due time, you will reap. There's a scripture in Psalm 105 verse 19. This changed my life. 105 verse 19. It said, until the time came to fulfill his dreams... The Lord tested Joseph's character. We spoke about times of testing. Some of us are trusting the Lord for a lot of finance. But know this, God's going to test your faithfulness in the little bit that you have now. Johannes and I are constantly tested on this thing of faithfulness. Faithfulness in resources, because now God's entrusting us with the church. He needs to entrust us with people's resources. We need to apply it for kingdom purposes. For kingdom purposes. Okay, sometimes that's part of it. But it's for kingdom purposes. He needs to be able to trust us. He needs to be able to trust us with people's lives. The reason why I believe you don't start with a church of 10,000 people is because God first wants to know, can he trust you with one? Can, can you be trusted with the one person that God's put in your life? And this is not just for ministry. I'm using a lot of ministry examples because that's my reality. But for you, if you're trusting the Lord for a new business, if you're trusting the Lord for something to happen in your family, you know, whatever it is, God wants to see, can I trust her character? Can I trust his faithfulness? Can I trust that he will have the endurance when times are hard for where I'm sending him? Maybe God's preparing you for a rough mission field or you know I don't know whatever it is and he needs to prepare your heart he needs to prepare your mind okay we can't go into a new season with old thinking sometimes it's time to renew the mind you need to learn the scriptures you need to get the word inside of you and this applies to business this applies to every area media you know if if you're in school There's friends that God wants you to impact, okay? So this applies to all of us. I remember six months before we moved, there was a prophetic conference, and he's a well-known prophetic minister of the gospel, and he came up to me after one of the services, and he looked me straight in the eyes like this, and he said to me, you need to eat well in the days to come. 
And at first I was like, eat? What, what does he mean? But he was talking spiritually. He was telling me to prepare, get the word inside of you, because where you are going, it's going to go like this. So prepare. There are seasons of preparation and there are seasons of testing. I'm just talking, the next one is actually preparing faith. So I'm mixing them up, but you hear what I'm saying. Okay. Number three, we need to prepare in faith. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7 says, we walk by faith and not by sight. Even though you have a promise from the Lord and even though you have a word from the Lord, you still need faith to step out into it. God doesn't call us to small fry. He calls us to big things. You know, stepping out for you and starting a business might be a huge step of faith. I remember when God called me out of the corporate world and for me to resign from my corporate position was a massive step of faith. I had prayed and I had sought the Lord and I had journaled and I'd asked other people to pray with me. And you know how you go, you seek like 100,000 confirmations, but at some point you need to take the step of faith. At some point, when you discern it's that Kairos season, you need to step into it. You need to act. Okay? Is there anyone here trusting the Lord for a marriage partner? Come on. Amen. Come on. Let it be known. Let your faith be known by raising your hand. You know, I was trusting the Lord for a long time to get married. I was the last of, you know, when they play the single ladies at the wedding. Oh, yes. I was like, can someone just, I would actually go to the bathroom when it's single ladies. And everyone's like, go, go, maybe you. And I'm like, I hate that thing where they make you dance with the guy that catches the... And I was like, Lord, I was in my mid-30s. You just get tired. Really, Lord. And I remember shortly after that last wedding, you know, you actually cancel weddings because it's not that you're not excited for them, but oh, you're a, it's just a reminder of where you are not. <laughs> Can I get a witness? And so I was like, so my pastor at the time said to me, they were doing a pre-marriage course at church. This course is for people getting married. It's with women who have rings on their finger. An actual marriage proposal had taken place. Okay? So she said to me, Vitemiris, I think you should do this course. And I laughed at her like Sarah laughed at the Lord. And I said, How embarrassing. Now you've got all these giggly girls with their rings, you know, and they're getting ready and your pre-marriage counseling. This is like a six-week course at church. Six weeks. It's longer than a month. And so she said to me, why don't you do this course as preparation for the wife that you want to be? Now, at this point in time, Johannes and I had started dating. We broke up for two years praise the Lord, because God did amazing healing work in us, cried for two years. And so there was nothing on the horizon, okay? We were friends, but I avoided him at church. And so I was like, there was nothing even remotely on the horizon for her to even suggest that it would be a good idea for me to do this course. And so, but I couldn't get her words out of my head. And so I thought, okay, maybe, maybe God is telling me that I need to prepare. Maybe he's telling me that I need to do a prophetic action. That's what they called it. <sighs> to me, it was just like, okay, this is A prophetic action for what I'm trusting God for. And so I thought, I'm not doing this alone. So I convinced two other single girls in church, one 10 years younger than me, 
all single, all three of us, I said, you will not make me do this alone. Let's be ridiculous and do it. So we did the course, and all three of us were married within one year of doing that course. Ek beloofde. Okay? Isn't it the truth? And, you know, sometimes, I'm not saying you should do our next marriage course. We are going to do a pre-marriage course. I'm just putting it out there. Excuse <coughs> it's in my keel. I'm just putting it out there. But I'm not saying you have to do that, but maybe there's something you need to do to prepare. Maybe there's a prophetic action that God is calling you to take to just see if you are really serious. You know, if God's calling you to do something and you're trusting Him, maybe you need to learn a new language for where you are going. Maybe you need to spend time in the Word like I did. I started preparing sermons way before I was ever near a platform, and I didn't want to go near a platform. I was preparing it for me. That's what I thought. You know, maybe there's something that God is telling you to prepare, to do. And you might look ridiculous to the world, but if you're trusting the Lord for a wife, why don't you go and learn how to cook? Okay? Every wife loves a good cooked meal. Johannes loves to braai when it's his turn. I do like a good choppy, so that works out well for us. But if you're a woman trusting the Lord for a husband, maybe go and see what the what the Bible teaches about being a good wife. You know, trust me, when it comes, you, <laughs> you wish you had prepared a little bit more. You know, as wives, we are intercessors for our husbands. Why didn't you start praying for your husband? Why didn't you start praying for him right now? God knows who he is. Why didn't you pray that he, that he becomes a mighty man of valor, that he hears the Lord's voice? Because you want that. Amen. Number four, so that was, by the way, we're still on number three. That was preparing faith, okay? Number four, we need to pray for discernment and understanding to know the times and the seasons to act in our life. Psalm 119 says the following. Teach me good judgment and discernment and knowledge, for I have believed and trusted and relied on your commandments. And the worship team can come up for me. We need to trust the Lord for good discernment. And we're going to pray for some people this morning. If you need discernment in your life, then we're going to trust that the Holy Spirit will release a fresh wave of discernment in this room. Amen. We need to know, Lord, and it will take time to grow and mature in discernment. Joyce Meyer always says, sometimes if you don't know, just step out and find out. You'll soon know if you've missed it. Okay. Sometimes we just need to step out and find out. Psalm 31 says that I trust you, Lord. My times are in your hands. My times are in your hands. Number five, and this is my last point. I like those anointed keys. Okay. Number five, we need to get around wise counsel. The Bible says there is wisdom in a multitude. Oh, I didn't give it to you for the screen. Uh, Proverbs 11 verse 14 says, that where there is no wise or intelligent guidance, people fall and go off course like a ship without a helm. But in the abundance of wise and godly counselors, there is victory. Johannes and I were very privileged. We were in an amazing church where we had people who really heard the voice of the Lord that could pray with us, that could discern with us. 
You know, it's easy to say, yes, step out in faith. But when it's a big decision involving your family, involving your marriage, involving big finances, like taking a risk with a business or taking up a new job that may require you to travel to dangerous places, you want to make sure that you're hearing the voice of the Lord. Amen. So, you know, Johannes and I are here. We are here for this purpose to serve the people that God sends on our way. We will pray with you. As husband and wives, this is something that is really important. You need to pray together when you make big decisions. Yes, God has called the husband to be the king, priest, and prophet of your home. Yes, wives, we submit to our husband. But husbands, it's very important that you get the counsel of your wife. You know, when we first started dating, our first prophetic word was <laughs> that JC gave us was that he saw two ears and he said to us, sometimes God will speak to you and you need to listen, he said to Johannes. I was like, yes. And then he said to me, um, sometimes God will speak to Johannes and you need to listen to him. But a marriage is a partnership. There is a unity. And God says where there is unity, he commands a blessing. So don't be going around thinking you're the head of the home and you can go around making decisions, impacting your family without consulting your wife. And the same for wives. We need to pray for our husbands. We need to pray that the Lord speaks to them clearly. It's our role is to be intercessors. Because remember, when the enemy attacks, he will come for your husband first. Because if he can take out a husband, that's why we have such a fatherless society in the world today. Because the, husband, the enemy knows when he gets the husband, he takes away the authority. He takes away the guidance. He takes away all those things. And that's why we have children growing up without identity. Because daddy is the one that gives us identity. I'm going on a long journey. But I'm just trying to say it's good to get wise counsel. Amen. It's good to make decisions together where it's going to impact your future. It's going to impact your destiny. It's going to impact the lives of the children that come after us. Amen. So this morning, I just want you to close your eyes. And I just want you to think about the word appointed time this morning. It will look very different to each one of us. And the team, I want you to listen as well. Everyone in this room, under the sound of my voice, Holy Spirit, I pray that you will touch everyone right now. I want to ask, number one, if you are in a position where you need vision for your life, just while everyone keeps their eyes closed, just to give everyone privacy. If you need clear vision and direction for your life, I want you to raise your hand. Amen. Amen. We're going to trust that God's going to speak to you very clearly, whether it's dreams, whether it's visions, whether it's angelic visitations or whether it's a scripture, God speaks to all of us in different ways. Number two, if you need boldness and courage, you know that your Cairo season is now. You know that God is saying no as the tight. But you, you're saying, Lord, I'm scared. I feel some fear. I'm not sure. If you need that boldness this morning, I want you to raise your hand. If you need that courage. Okay. Number three, if you're in a place where you're like, Lord, I just don't know in what season I'm in. I'm not sure what is my time, what is my appointed time. I feel like I'm in a waiting season. I feel like I'm in a hiding season. 
I just need your help to tell me what do I do in this season? What is the response that you need from me in this season? If you need that discernment this morning, I want you to raise your hand. I think all of us need that. All of us need that discernment. And so as we just keep our eyes closed, I want to pray for all of us. I want to pray. And if you've raised your hand for any one of those three, I want you to take a prophetic action and stand. If you've raised your hand for anything, I'm going to pray, number one, for vision. I'm going to pray for boldness and courage if you need to step out. And I'm going to pray for discernment and wisdom to understand the time and the season that you are currently in. Keep your eyes closed in this moment of worship and I want you to do another prophetic action. It might be small, but it is big for some of us. I want you to raise your hands towards heaven. Okay, why am I asking you to do this? I'm asking you to do this because you are actually putting yourself in a posture and in a position to receive from the Lord this morning. So Father, right now I just ask Holy Spirit that you would come. Lord, you are already here, but Father, I pray, Lord, increase your presence in this room. I pray, Lord, every person that have raised their hand, Lord, that are standing in a position to receive from you this morning, Lord, I pray that you will touch them supernaturally right now in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would breathe on your children this morning, Lord. Breathe on them. Father, I'm praying for new vision for those who said, Lord, give me a vision for my life, Lord. Show me what my kingdom assignment is. Show me, God, what have you called me to be? If I'm in corporate and you've called me to ministry, make it clear, Lord. If I'm in ministry, but you've called me to corporate or whatever it is, Lord, just come and show us. So I release visions in this place this morning. I release dreams, new dreams in Jesus' name. Father, I pray for every spiritual eye in this room to be opened supernaturally by your Holy Spirit. I pray that those who can't see, Lord, will see like they've never seen before. They will hear like they've never heard before in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray that you will eliminate Scripture when they read your Word, when they are seeking you. And I thank you that you are faithful, Lord. It's your heart that we get to our purpose more than it is ours. So thank you, Lord, that you will give people new vision this morning. And in this next week, Lord, I pray that you will anoint their sleep. Lord, that you will anoint their quiet times. Lord, that they will go into a deeper place in the supernatural realm with you. Father, number two, I want to pray for a new spirit of boldness and faith and courage to arise, Lord, in those that you've called to act now. Lord, I pray for a spirit of faith to be released this morning. Thank you, Lord, that your word says that you will give us faith, Lord, a measure of faith. But I will pray for that gift of faith this morning. Holy Spirit, release in us a new spirit of faith for where you are calling us. Lord, give us that boldness, that courage. Lord, show them that the Lion of Judah is standing next to them and you will never let them go. You will be with them. You will hold their hand. Isaiah 43 says, I will hold your hand. I will not let you go. He is with you this morning. I don't want you to fear. I come against fear in the name of Jesus and I break your power in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, that your children will step out where they need to step out. Number three, Lord, I pray for a spirit of discernment over your children this morning, for all of us, Lord. 
come and fill us with your Holy Spirit this morning, with discernment, Lord, so we may know the seasons and the times in our lives. I want you to repeat after me. Say, dear Lord Jesus, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Fill me afresh with your Holy Spirit. Baptize me with your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, that I will be able to see, that I will be able to hear, and that I will be able to discern the times and seasons in my life. Amen. Amen. You can take your seats, but as we remain in this moment of worship, there's one last group of people that I want to pray for. And you can just close your eyes again. I just want to give some people privacy because sometimes in a small room like this, it takes a lot of courage to raise your hand to the Lord and say, Lord, I need you. And if there's anyone in this room this morning that you're in a place where you've actually never given your heart to the Lord, you've never said, Lord Jesus, come and be the Lord and Savior of my life. God has got a kingdom assignment for you. There's a reason that you have been born. There's a reason why you are here and God wants you in fellowship, in relationship with Him so He can show you and He can guide you for the rest of your life. If you are here this morning and you sense God is talking to you, you know that you need to make right with the Lord. Then I, I'm just going to pray for you. Okay, I'm not going to call you out. You can just raise your hand for me briefly. If there's anyone here this morning and you feel, man, I need to, I need to give my heart to the Lord. Thank you, Lord. If you're here and you don't want to raise your hand, know that someone on our team will be here. Her name is Lauren. She'll be by the info desk. She's got a little gift for you that we want to give you. And we would love to walk that journey with you. Okay? She will, she will meet you out there. And so I'm just going to end the service by praying for all of us again. Um, and then those who want to join us for our vision morning, you're welcome to grab a cup of coffee and stay for a bit. We would love to meet you. Father, I thank you again for your word this morning. I thank you, God, that you are faithful and that you are loving and that you are good all the time. And so, Lord, I pray that you would water the seeds that have been sown into our hearts this morning. Lord, and those questions that we have, that you will answer them in a way that we will be able to discern and understand. And so, Lord, I just want to pray a blessing over every person, over their family, over their businesses, their jobs, their children, their ministries, whatever you've called them to do this week, Lord. May they step in obedience. May they step in faithfulness. May they pass every test. And may they be victorious in everything that they do. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen.